Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best time. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. Hello, my beautiful people. Another episode on Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you for joining me today. I have this lovely, lovely young lady here, Jenna Bosi. Jenna and I met on... At one, well, actually, we didn't meet at a networking group, right? We saw each other kind we, of yes. parallel at networking groups. I know. <laughs> yes, that's true. I would see you, but I didn't know who you, who you were. But I was so intrigued by your 412 foster care project. I didn't know anything about it. And I thought, you know what? I need to talk to her. (laughs) So tell us, Jenna, what is the 412 foster care project? So 412 foster project is um, a very small nonprofit. We launched it about two years ago. It'll be two years in June. Um, And I founded it to support children and families in foster care. It um, also is for people who could be at risk of entering into a system like foster care. So what do you mean you assist the um, parents and children? It looks so differently for every case. It could be um, I support them at things like IEP meetings at their schools. It could, oh. it could mean um, material assistance. So we have a location in Bellevue where I keep cribs and pack and plays and clothes, food, um, non-perishable food, all those things that I will give away to families in need. Wow. Uh, so whether that's like a birth family who is trying to get back on their feet or it's a foster family who needs a crib because they got an emergency placement at three in the morning, you know, whatever oh whatever that means to the family, we kind of help and support that. That's unbelievable. Why Now, why did you get started with this? I want to know how you even began. With the nonprofit or like in social work? Okay. So yeah, tell us a little bit of your background. So you are a social worker? I am a social worker. I've been in the field for about 10 years now. I got into it completely by accident. I wanted to be a doctor or a nurse. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. And I started classes um, and I had to take a social work class. It was like a Prerequisite. We had to take it. It was my first semester of college. I walked. Where did you class. go to college? So I started off at CCAC. Uh-huh. That's what I did for a semester. Like, and then I moved to Carlo. Oh, that's um, a great school, and that's for nursing, Carlo. Right? It is, but they yeah. also have a great social work program. Okay. Um, so I walked into the to the first class in my first semester, and it was taught by a social worker, and I fell in love with it, and I just switched my majors, and that's how I got into social work. I know. You know what? I when I was in high school, my senior year, we took a test to see what we were compatible or what we could do in our future. And mine was social worker. Really? Yes. I don't think I ever, it was never really on my radar. I just always knew I wanted to help people and I never really knew how. I've always loved working with kids. I love kids. So I always thought like pediatric nursing or pediatric, you know, 
medicine, right? whatever, emergency medicine, something like that. Um, I even looked into the military at one point, you know, so, but I never really could like figure out exactly how, how I wanted to help. And then I just fell in love with social work. I, I wish I had like a cooler like story of like <laughs> I was destined to be a social worker. No. I always knew I wanted, I, I didn't. Um, you know what? People listening right now, I don't know if they know what goes into being a social worker. Because you could be, I my cousin's a, she was a social worker. Now she's um, working for somebody else, but she would help families. You mm-hmm. know, go in there and talk to them, and if things were you know not good, is it social worker? Is it really like families, or is there other kind of divisions of yeah. social work? Oh yeah, it's super diverse. Like the field, there's a social worker, and just about I mean for every age. For every population, pretty much, there's even like industrial social work. Um, there are social workers in the FBI. It's true. There are social workers who work in the community, uh, like on a macro yes. like level, um, like I, with whole communities or like in government. And then there are social workers who work in the hospitals. There are social workers who oh work with gosh. children and families. I, I, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> there's like a cute, like a cute, like mental health. Which is what I did um, right. for a long time. Um, so yeah, we're. I mean, pretty much. It's such a, a diverse, and I think that's really what attracted me to it. Is because I'm not the type of person who can sit like in one yeah. place all the time doing the same thing every day. Like I need that change. I feel the same you know? way. I feel the same way. So it, it's really like given me. I've gone from kind of like being an aide to like moving more into case management to moving more into leadership. And now I'm kind of moving more into the advocacy route. Um, so right. it's really like given me a very wide, diverse, full yes, career. <laughs> I love it. See, you don't know where you're going to end up. I mean, here no, I'm yeah, no. doing a podcast at 51. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. And I love helping people. So I think that's why we gravitated towards each other because we have the same views and we really want to help wherever we can help. We were on the phone for two hours. The I first know. Time we talked. Oh my gosh, <laughs> listeners! We, you know, you know when you mesh with someone, or you just feel that this—you can just feel their energy. I mean, just talking to someone on the phone, and we just talked and talked mm-hmm. and talked. And I was just so amazed. You know, you're a young mom. You have a son. How old is he? He'll be four in July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're you got a lot on your plate, but mm-hmm. you're doing so much. So mm-hmm. let's get into the four. One two foster yeah. care project. Did you develop this? I did. It was it was kind of out of frustration. I felt like I was becoming super burnt out. I, you can only only build these children and families back up so much to throw right. them back into a broken system. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Uh, COVID kind of really exacerbated things, just made right. things a lot worse. So I honestly, I was kind of disgruntled. <laughs> Right, like social worker. I get it. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I tried to like move around a little bit within the agency that I was employed with because I really loved the work that I was doing in child welfare and in the foster care side of it. And I worked with um, with birth parents at the time, and I kind of tried to move. And I worked with the, the statewide adoption network within the agency that I was employed with, and wonderful people who worked there, wonderful professionals. But I, I just couldn't do it. And so I came up with this plan, and I kind of like took a hard look and evaluated where are the gaps like that I'm seeing that um, are the most obvious and right. like just the losing the most kids. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I took a hard look at it and I, I developed a business plan and I just quit my job. <laughs> and, I, and then I, I 
Look at you. I applied for the 501 3 uh, We got it probably about six months later. And what year did you say so you started this during COVID? Was it in 2021? Yes. Or? Okay. Yes. And then, yeah, so it was June 21. And then we got our 501c3 um, tax exempt designation in October of 21. And then we just kind of been trucking along ever since. The lights yeah. have stayed on. We've <laughs> doing something right. We're keeping right. the lights on. But um, yeah, it, it was. I wouldn't say that I, again, I didn't always know that that was what I wanted to do, but it just kind of came out of frustration for like, I can't, I I love working in child welfare. I love doing this work. It's super important work, but, um, yeah, I, I can't continue. Oh yeah. You get burned out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people in the industry of, you know, social work and helping, helping people is you do, you get a little burned out and you need that and you, you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't see anybody progressing, or actually the you know the families things are getting better at home, and they're able to, and you just keep funding them, or you just mm-hmm. keep going back and forth, and it's not nothing's happening. Yeah. I think it got really hard. So I've worked in a lot of places within, uh, like a lot of my experience it was in acute mental health. That was kind of where. What does that mean, honey? So it's um, like when a person is um, in inpatient. Like for their mental health okay. um, or treatment. So I worked at the Allegheny County Jail, and I worked on the mental health pods. Like and those were people who, wow. like, like who needed that acute, immediate attention. Now, um, was this with men or women? Both. Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I also worked at Western Psych. Um, oh my god! And so I did that, like acute, like immediate, like mental health, and all of those places I worked, like, and I did that in. Um, you saw really sad things. And I have no problem. I had a professor in my undergraduate who had said, like, as social workers, all that we can do, um, like, is think of our, our, our clients as, like, a plant. And so, like, we want to give them the best tools and all the sunlight and all the water. Right. And if they don't flourish or thrive, right. then we just try again. Right. I mean, you can only provide so much. Yeah. If they act on it, that's great, but you're not going to always have that yeah. effect. And that, that's kind of like a thing that has always like stuck with me. So like with that in mind, as I worked kind of in these different places, you know, I, I did the best I could. I saw really sad things, but it's, you kind of, there's a way to consolidate it like yes. in how, your brain How are you bit. able to take it, like go home at night and not keep thinking about it? I, I always took I it home with me. That's how I am, too. Yeah, and it, it there are ways, again, like that you can consolidate that. You know, like, I did the best I could. You know, I'm going to go back tomorrow and keep trying, and, you know, we're going to do all these things. And I had a plan, and there are some days that were really hard, and other days I was able to do it. But when I moved into child welfare, you still saw that acute, immediate mental health concern. But it was, like, a whole, whole different thing. And right. it became harder and harder to consolidate that. Like, how do you consolidate a child, you know, right. coming into this world and having to go through those things and the trauma, uh, the abuse and the, the neglect and all of these things, um, and it just became harder and harder. And I, it got to the point where I really wasn't consolidating it anymore. It was kind of moving into all parts of my life, you know. Right. Um, so I, I think that was kind of what the 412 Foster Project was created out of, was 
um, I can get really like burnt out and leave. Right. Um, I can give up this passion and love that I have for this field, or I can take everything that I've learned and all the passion I have for it and my love of working with, with kids and families, and I can turn it into something, and I can try to give these kids a chance, like the best chance that I possibly can. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, and Good that's kind of what we've done. Yeah. And so um, we just paid 5000 Dollars like for um, a little girl like to go to like a space camp over the summer. We, we provided her a scholarship like through like our wonderful sponsors. sponsors. Yeah, and it yeah. So we we get to do some really oh, that's great amazing. things. And so we're not. I, I the hope is one day like we can provide trauma services and we can provide all these things. But for right now, it's kind of one case at a time and just doing the best we can to give them a chance. Oh, I totally so get it. So it looks a little different for everybody, but right. you know. But so tell us what else you do because I know with the uh, the foster care you, you provide, you said you had cribs. We do. Uh, we have cribs. We have pack and plays. We have clothes, diaper bags, backpacks, um, shoes. Non-care Where are you shoes. getting all this? Uh, we like we'll raise raise money throughout the year. Okay. Um, we have corporate sponsors and private donors. So um, you do some fundraising. Yep. And then we also take um, donations like of lightly used items. Okay. Yeah. I mean, anything. I mean, people, they come out of this situation and they don't have the money or the means to have this and yeah. to have a safe home with a crib yeah. and everything. And that was an issue I saw a lot like when I when I was working on on the foster care side of things, is we I worked a lot with birth parents. I did um, visitation coaching, so like we would work with the birth parents to kind of teach them positive interaction with their kids. Right. Um, and a part of the thing that I was seeing a lot of is these these parents were working really hard, like to you know like work their programs, rehabilitate all those things, right. but they couldn't like juggle everything, and so they were tr- trying their best to work as many hours as they could to you know have a car or right. to um, like furnish an apartment or um, like buy their kids clothes or right. whatever, Food, whatever it everything. is. Yeah. And they just couldn't because of all the services and the things that they had to do. Like, so this was just. Um, Are these single, like single moms? Some were. Yeah. 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 And some were like coming out of a domestic violence issue. And so their kids were were pulled out of their care because they didn't have the means to take care of them. Oh, my God! Um, so the parents were going into a shelter and the kids were going into a foster home. So it wasn't because they couldn't be good parents. They just didn't have the means to be the parents that they right. their kids needed. It's not like they can go get a full-time job and yeah. take care of kids when they're by themselves. Yeah, so it, it was kind of like that. That was like one huge, huge gap I saw was, mm-hmm. you know, these a lot of parents were really trying, um, yeah. but they just didn't have the support, you know. So we do whatever we can. Um, I take referrals like from case management uh, or case managers, um, but I also have like families who will just like reach out to me. And oh. it's not only people who have lost their kids, but it could be a mom and her kids who are in a shelter, or a mom and her kids, or even like a mom and a dad and her kids, or a single dad and his kids um, right. who are in poverty and just need a little help. They might need a car seat because when they have broke or they don't have one, right? Uh, they might need a new car seat because their kid has outgrown it. Um, they might need a pack and play because they don't have one. So It's not like they're having like a shower, like having all mm-hmm. these people. Yeah, these are people that need help. Yeah, so that's kind of like what we... We try to do. I have an entire. We have. I mean, we have adult clothes, kids' clothes, jackets. I mean, if you if you can think of it, I probably have it somewhere in the deep dark crevices of this, this building. Is, oh my gosh! So this has been going on for two years now. Mm-hmm. And is this what you expected it would be, or is it more than you expected? 
<laughs> I, I've gotten such an outpouring of support, which was more than I ever could have expected, um, especially in Bellevue, like which is where it's located right now. But you do cover like anybody from the Pittsburgh area. I've gone as far as Ohio before. Oh, really? Um, and I okay. even had I even had a family reach out to me from Texas okay. um, about just like they wanted like a consultation, like advice. Um, so yeah, I'll work with anybody who reaches out to us. Um, we're looking to close down our Bellevue location and we're actually looking to move out to um, this area, actually the um, Washington County, um, Carnegie or Green Tree. Oh yeah. Kind of that area. Um, Cause there's not a ton out here yeah. and we want to expand like into trauma services, which wasn't really something I thought about when I opened When you it. say trauma services, you're saying like if they came out of an abused family home situation, is that what you're talking about? Um, we want to look more towards like an early intervention. So kids from birth to maybe that pre-K age, and it doesn't have to be like abuse. It could be they lost a parent. It could be they're having behavioral problems that may or may not like be because of a trauma. Um, it can really be like any like type of issue um, that would require like a early intervention. Right. And it's kind of to try to prepare them to have like the social interactions that they're going to have in kindergarten and, and above, because the earlier that we can address these issues, right. the better the outcomes are going to be. Um, so they're going to be less likely to fall into um, like things like drugs, drugs or shoplifting. Yes. Yeah. You know, like whatever it is. Right. Um, going down the wrong roads. Yeah. So that's kind of what I, I, I'm looking at right now. And that wasn't really something I, I knew of the trauma, obviously, but that wasn't really something that was super I know. Is that even out radar. there at all? Like, do we have anything like that? Any services like that? So there's something called therapeutic daycares, which is kind of what we want to do, but a little bit more like focused on like trauma. Right. Um, like informed and a little bit more focused on um, individualized early intervention for these kids and not just like a blanket thing. But a, a lot of the ones that are around, they are like a very like generalized like service. There are, are a lot of those for like kiddos who have developmental issues, so like right. autism or like Down syndrome or any of those things. But there's not really a lot of things out there that are for kids who have gone through trauma. You know, just the trauma like is like a secondary piece, but not the primary. And if we're addressing like these traumas and the issues like that are facing these children and and their families, then we're addressing just about every other social issue that there is, whether it's addiction or poverty or incarceration or re-incarceration rates. Um, we're addressing all of it. So like that's kind of my goal is to like take a really hard look at the trauma piece of it. Right. And if we're like addressing the trauma not only of the children but also of the entire entire family. See that that's amazing because you're getting to you're getting to the kids, you're reaching the the parents and the adults and they're seeing this and then because when you you know a lot of time, I actually just learned this myself uh, a couple of years ago that what happens in your childhood the trauma that you have doesn't go away. Mm-mm. And as you're an adult, you bring that baggage with you. Mm-hmm. It leads to like attachment styles, um, yes. unhealthy attachment styles. Uh, it leads to um, high-risk behavior. It, it can lead to unemployment. It can. I mean, there's a lot of things. And I, I think people look at a lot of these issues, whether it's addiction or um, incarceration, whatever the, really, whatever the problem is, and they look at it as a very like singular and black and white problem when like really it's not. And a majority of these people who are habitually um, using or habitually breaking the law, um, they have some underlying, whether it's like a mental health or like a trauma experience that can kind of 
like be linked. Right, and you don't even it. realize it that something that really happened in your until somebody brings that attention to you. You're like, wait a minute, you're right. Yeah, I can't believe that I missed this. There's you know? so much gray area and trauma, and um, but at the same time, also kind of not like it's kind of as simple as like we need to address it because it affects mm-hmm. just about every other area in these right. children's lives and it will continue to affect them until we you know intervene so that like it's as, as simple as that like you know it's very prominent but it's very complex in the way that you know it can show like show up in their day-to-day right and I especially more recently have had a lot of kids as young as four years old who are self-harming because of extreme oh abuse and gosh, trauma so at four terrible. years old. And I, you know, we, I had a kid who she <sighs> literally sat in limbo for six months trying to find her these services. Cause oh we, we either gosh. have like very like mild trauma services that are, um, you know, okay, well you can go to therapy once a week right. or we have these super acute intense, you know, like therapies for kids um, but in the form of like Western psych, you know, so right. they're hospitalized for, you know, extended periods of time, which can lead to more trauma, which can lead to all these other issues. And right. there is nothing in the middle of that. I would never, <laughs> there is nothing. Jenna, I would never think a four year old because I yeah. think, you know, as my kids went through high school, the two of them, I saw a lot of girls, uh, my daughter's age that really had, and it was all the, I think it was social media. I thought it was more social media that was getting to them. I mean, that for sure is like a, a component for kids a certain age and up. But four years um, old is... Yeah. And I mean, this this kiddo that I was working with, she had never even like directly like been um, like abused herself. Uh, when she was pulled out of her parents' care, it was right at birth in the hospital, but she was exposed to it long-term while her, her mom was pregnant with her. Um, her huh. There was a, a lot of abuse in the home. There was domestic violence and then plus child abuse with her older siblings that was taking place in the home, and she was just exposed to it long-term. Oh, my god! And so she had all of these kind of like secondary trauma Right, it's responses. secondary, yes. Um, because she was exposed to it. Yeah, so, right. You don't have to be a vi- the victim or the person that it's happening to. If you're seeing this happening mm-hmm. to someone just who you love. Just the long-term exposure, yeah. Yeah, the long-time yeah, exposure. Kids, even if they're exposed to, you know, a domestic between their parents, it could right. never affect them. They could never be like touched by other parent, never hit, never yelled at. Right. Uh, but just that exposure to it is enough to, yes. you know... The, I mean, they're at, at like this this vital age, developmental right. age, and they soak those things up, and it really leads to unhealthy attachment, and it leads to um, mental health issues, anxiety, mm-hmm. and depression, and you know, in, in the case of the kiddo I was working with, self harm, and so it is really super complex, oh, and, yeah. and people are super surprised to hear that a lot of the time. But um, yeah, I think it's just trying to find a service that really targets that. Now, do you kids. have a team of people that work with you? or No, just oh. me. <laughs> just me. I knew you were going to say that. That I mean, are you looking to staff once you yeah. expand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, once we expand, um, we would have to. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, like, I want to have um, a half-a-day program where kids can come in and get an intensive therapy, and then they go back to their preschool or, yes. or their daycare or home or wherever um, they are at for the other half of the day. And then I want to have, like, a full-day program that's equal part education, equal part um like therapeutic trauma, right. trauma services. Absolutely. Um, and then a couple of other um, programs like will be 
be sprinkled in there. But well, thank you so much <laughs> for like having the the mindset to say, you know what, there's a need in our community. Yeah, in and this world, actually. I think having a kid, really, especially, yes. um, opened my eyes to that. And not that I didn't know it existed, but I think I was pretty blinded to it as right. well. Um, I think you and I had this conversation. There are some things that if it's not put right in front of you, you just don't hear about it. Right. And I think that's one of them. And so I've kind of made it a point to put it in front of as many people as I possibly can, uh, to the point where I need to watch myself a little bit. <laughs> no, you do. No, you do. That's the only way you can really get through to other people. to Because I think this is what I'm learning as I go, but is that when you talk about something that may not be, oh, I can't help, or you know what, it has nothing to do with me, so I don't need to listen to it. No, there is a need for everyone to learn Mm -hmm. and to help if they can, or to spread the word so that other people that you know could maybe help their Mm -hmm. families. So I I thank you so much for being so intelligent to know that this is something that we need to have in our society. Thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. I I, I think, again, I think it was you and I who talked about this. I um, have have like the social work part of me. I, I'm also in school and like I'm working on a PhD, so I have like that part of, oh of me. Oh my gosh! And add that <laughs> to the plate. <laughs> and then I have like all the networking events that I have to do to kind of you know promote, promote the work that yes. I'm doing. And I, it's very much parts of my brain that I have to switch in between. And you and I had this conversation where I said I say things that are I say it and I have to laugh because I don't know how the person it's such a fine line I'm walking between like educating people and ruining their day Um, (laughs) and so I I have a friend who he is very corporate he's very you know a wonderful person. I was going to say straight laced. Yeah, very. He's a wonderful person, a huge right. heart for for you know causes. But he just didn't. He wasn't exposed to it. And when him and I became friends, um, I would just kind of say things and just kind of watch the look on his face. <laughs> and I was like, I, I feel like I overshared. You know, yeah. I feel like I said too much. And um, oh, I did it was too. like very much. I'm the, an open book. I just you know I'll say what I feel. Yeah. And like especially like with the human trafficking. You know, oh, like yes. work that okay, I do. So Jenna, let's get into that with um because I had on. Human Trafficking Month, well, it should be every month, was mm-hmm. in January. Yes. And I had Joe Sweeney on with yeah. the Aservio mm-hmm. project. And I did not know that you're like affiliated or mm-hmm. you're kind of... So tell us a little bit about that. The, the community here, like in Pittsburgh, really any organization that offers anti-human trafficking services, we all try to work together because um, not... and like. Like, none of us can offer everything. So right. we really try to work with each other. So it's not like a formal partnership that we have, um, but we, we for sure like try to try to work with each other. Um, whether it's referring a client, you know, we, we can't really offer this service, but you know, maybe you can. Right. Uh, but so the work that we do, it's with the, the Salvation Army's um, Light Project. So that um, stands for Leading Individuals Gracefully Out of Human Trafficking. Oh, say that again. Leading? Individuals. Okay. Gracefully out of human trafficking. So light. Um, and so we talk about our, our mission is to shed light kind of on the issue of the topic of human trafficking. Um, Why do you think people are not talking about it? I think one... Like you don't hear it on the news at all. I think one, people think it's a problem that doesn't exist anymore. I think... Uh, or they I, just don't want to know. Yeah, I think that's the other part. Like mm-hmm. they, they might know to some extreme because they watch Law and Order SVU, you know, or whatever, right. that it exists. It only happens in the movies. Yeah, yeah but like they don't really want to hear about it. I, I think people, um, whether it's whether it's foster care or it's human trafficking, I think um, 
it's really sad and a lot of really ugly truths and um, people would rather pretend like it's not happening or just try not to look at it too hard because it makes them uncomfortable. I, right. I, I think as humans, we like closure. Um, yes, we do. We like happy endings. I realize that yeah, too. Americans and, like yeah. happy endings. And even if it's not a happy ending, you know, I always say, uh, like use, use cancer as an example because it's super, unfortunately, a prominent issue right. um, and, and it touches just about everyone's life. But it's very sad and it's very tragic. Um, but you get like one of two endings in a majority of the cases. So they either, unfortunately, very sadly pass on or they go into remission and they get to live their life. Exactly. Um, Whereas with human trafficking, like our foster care, the closure isn't really there. Um, It's not like a pretty like box that you can put a bow on. Um, A lot of these, these people, whether it's ending up, you know, human trafficking an issue that we see a lot is long-term mental health um, issues or long-term issues with things like substance abuse right so it's not you don't really get that closure like with these types of topics and I think a lot of people when we look at the ugliest parts of our culture and our society um, we we want closure and if we can't yes, get it I we, know. you know if it if it requires us to look too hard and like kind of you know, makes us uncomfortable, then we right. just kind of would rather pretend like it wasn't you know, there. We're all in our heads too, and we're always thinking about there's so much with you know television and, yeah. and you know the internet. Anything you see now, we're so exposed to so many different things and it's a lot of information at right. one time. It is. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I I'm equally as um is guilty of it. I don't watch the news anymore I because I'm so exposed right. to sadness every day and trauma to the point where there are some days I have like a secondary trauma response just from the right. amount that I absorb every day. Um, and so I get it. I, there are times when I really close myself off too. Like if, if it's a sad story, yes. I don't want to hear oh, about no. it, you know? that And that's natural. Yeah. So right. I, I, and I, I think that that's kind of, especially like you said, because we're just so exposed to so constant, exposed. constant information at our fingertips. I don't think that it was ever supposed to be that way. Like, I don't think right. as human beings that we can absorb it. Cause I mean, like the way that we like very like simply like define a trauma is when like our brain can't, like it's too much too soon. Right. So like whatever it is, it's happening and we can't process it. And even it. as adults, like, I mean, you know, having therapy or talking to someone or just, you know, really realizing that you know, some people were at home thinking, oh my God, maybe it's just me. All I do is stress out. I'm mm-hmm. having so much anxiety thinking about all the stuff that's going on. But it's a lot of us mm-hmm. that are having that same trauma mm-hmm. of thinking about what can I do? Oh my gosh, when I hear these stories, they make me so sad. Yeah. I mean, if you even look like at COVID, I mean, the right. effects that that had on a lot of people in their mental health it was this really very like sudden shift in our culture and right. our society that people just couldn't like process and um, it caused to these major like so for me personally I didn't have a lot of change in my like day to day except I had to put a mask on and like you know wash my hands more like and sanitize more and but I was still like going into homes and still like I was still um, you were still doing your job my day to day really didn't right. change 
But for a lot of people, that was like not the case. It was like very quick and dramatic change that right. happened, and their brain couldn't consolidate right. their job it. Job closed down, yeah. or you know, store. Yeah, they and I, I think it forced us to be a lot more aware of trauma. And now, like that trauma is obviously like very different than like abuse or you know whatever. But it's still, nonetheless, trauma. It's still like nonetheless has an impact point, on yeah. our mental health. Yes. Um, so I think point. that that forced us to be a little bit more aware. But I still think we have a lot of work to yeah, do as a society. We're still, yeah, of we're being still aware. kind of coping with mm-hmm. all that, taking mm-hmm. it all in, like, did this really happen to us? But now tell us, back to the Salvation Army, mm-hmm. the Light Project, what do you do for them? Um, so I oversee outreach. So we um, are a division of 28 counties within Western PA. Um, we go as far as, like, Altoona, Erie, like, down to down to Fulton County. Um, so really, in anything in between, we oversee all those 20. 28 counties. Um, you so oversee them. What do you mean? I oversee that? outreach. So outreach. all of our outreach within okay. the 28 counties. So that um, could be our coalition work with other counties. That could mean education. I, you know, I, I travel to the different counties and do education, whether it's with law enforcement um, or with churches, hospitals. So really anywhere within the 28 counties. And then we um, we support other agencies. We take referrals. We work with the FBI and Homeland Security. So I. Um, I try to foster relationships with them. Um, so really any of our outreach within any of those 28 counties, I oversee it. So that, and this is human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what do you think as far as, you know, our area in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Pennsylvania in general, how are we as our state with human trafficking? It's Where do we? Super, super prominent here. We rank number nine in the country. Um, for human nine. trafficking, um, so we are kind of like thought as as um like an in between like state like or a travel through state because of all of our interstates. Um, so, oh my gosh! Um, there's actually an organization. It's called um, Truckers Against Human Trafficking, and it's really prominent here in PA. Um, I get their their newsletters to my email, and they do a lot of work because of the the amount of human trafficking that happens on the interstate. And so, when I say human trafficking, that's that's labor or sex trafficking. Um, like right. when we work with men and women of all ages, um, Children, all cultures. Yeah. Um, we're not we don't have like a ton of minors, like but we do work with them. Um, and yeah, so it's I had on. Um, a woman, she talked about refuge for women, mm-hmm. and she has safe houses. And that's unbelievable. I mean, I think they only have so many right now, but I mean, I'm just so glad that we are talking about it and we're getting yeah. the word out there and we're having these safe houses because nobody knows when you come out of human traffic, if if you are the lucky one to come out of it, you're that talk about trauma. Yeah. Um, and I, we, <laughs> I've gotten a really wonderful opportunity like to see women and men kind of we will work with them at any point like in their their journey. So we have a few that we worked with them like while they were still like actively in the life but they wanted out but they needed help. So right. we like I've worked with them then um, but we've also worked with the ones. How did they know to get a hold of you? Like how did they know to find you? So a part of my outreach efforts is I put like posters like in bathrooms at hospitals and clinics and churches. Colleges or anything? Colleges, yeah. We do education. I have indicator cards. Um, There was one where she went to church, and uh, the church worked with, um, it's called, um, it's a legal service. Uh, it'll come to me eventually. At a church, okay. Um, so the church was aware of the legal service, like who worked with 
um, victims of human trafficking. And so they had put her in contact with us, and that was how we had gotten involved. And so, yeah, we, we... they hear about us from all sorts of different. Uh, they might even like call the hotline, um, the National Human Trafficking Hotline. I was going to say, what is the hotline? Um, so it, it's the National Human Trafficking Hotline. You don't happen. I don't know. <laughs> I'm off the top of my head. I know. <laughs> There's I a lot know. of phone numbers. Yes, forget it. There, um, I mean, but I think about all the things that you're doing, Jenna. I mean, and you're still active in the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're doing yes. the 412 project, with the foster care project that you developed. Mm-hmm. And you're also helping with the Salvation Army. Is it called the Light Project? Mm-hmm. I, unbelievable. Thank you. Uh, when do you sleep? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I was like, and then you have an active four-year-old. A very yes. active four-year-old. Yes. No, I don't sleep. Sometimes I nap when he naps if I'm home. Right. <laughs> if it's an early day. I'll right. And nap. I know you're an animal lover, too. I am. So I hear you have some pets. <laughs> I do. Way, way too many. Uh, yeah, we have four dogs. Aww. Um, five cats. Because you know what? Your heart is so big, Jenna. You will not, like, if you see... You know, a dog needs adopted or a cat. Yes. You well, see, people make fun of me all the time because I have so many animals, but they're also super quick to call me when they find a stray animal that needs, like, a foster placement or something until right. they can find someone to, like, take them. So people make fun of me, but they have no problem guilt-tripping yes. me into taking, like, like the bunny I have, right. my aunt, like, a, like a guilt-tripped me into it a little yeah. bit because she knew if she sent me a picture of this adorable right. little rabbit that I would not turn it away. And I did not. are, like, comfort. Don't you feel like yes. they're not talking back? <laughs> they're not giving you any, <laughs> any drugs? you know, drama or anything going on and they just want to cuddle yeah. and eat and I love my two beagles. They follow me around. I just yeah. love it. They're like right right at my legs. I'm like, okay, mommy's good. They don't want to be alone. They just want to cuddle and sit on me and you know, I just love it. I have a German shepherd and then we also have like three Shih Tzus. And so two of the Shih Tzus I got from they were, were rescued from a puppy mill, so they were oh, abused. Geez. And they're older. Oh like gosh, they were elderly dogs. Animals that were abused. And they were elderly dogs. Like, when I got them, they're obviously still elderly. But um, so they were older, like, when I got them. One is, like, partially blind, and they had to, like, get, half their teeth had to get pulled so her tongue, like, hangs out of her mouth. And so she, like, walks super close behind me, but because she can't see, she, like, runs. If I stop oh. too quickly or abruptly, she just runs right in. Oh, my gosh. Um, but she can feel you. Mm-hmm. She's always right up against me. Um, and oh. the other one hates men. She will literally throw her body. I've seen her throw her body downstairs to like run quickly away from men, which Tripping like I there. feel you, you know. And yes, I mean we have a full house of yes. animals. Oh, so. you know what I? I look at you, Jenna, and I see this wonderful woman oh, that is changing lives. Thank you. And changing animals. <laughs> I mean, you're doing it all, and I'm just so proud of you, and I'm you. so privileged to have you oh, on my you. podcast today. I think I'd like to say, people give are very quick to give me a lot of credit, a lot, but I, um, more often than not, these individuals are really changing my life, um, just kind of getting to have the pri- privilege to just kind of play a tiny role in their, their journey is really such an honor and I think they heal me a little bit more every day um I I get a lot of credit because my name is obviously on the nonprofit, and you know I'm I do the outreach work whatever for the Salvation Army which is great um and it's great work but I think the real credit goes to the like the people that I'm working with who are really working every day to heal right and to 
go on their journey and I just make that. the best of it. Yeah. And so I think that's such a privilege that I get to be this tiny little part of their overall story. I totally agree with you, Jenna. I feel like when starting this podcast, I wasn't sure what direction or what stories I wanted people to share. But I'm finding out that the more and more that I get educated, I'm getting therapy mm-hmm. just talking to my yeah. guests. And I just... They I, heal us a little bit they more. They do. That's what Everybody I say. gives me... I'm like, wow. And I see what people are doing. I'm like, you know what? I can do it. I, whatever you put your mindset, mm-hmm. you want to do something, you can do it's it. It's incredible, yeah. And I, so I think while I am super fortunate, I, I get to do this work. I, I'm more fortunate that, like, I mean, I get to be such a small part, but, like, still, it, it's very small for them. But, I mean, I have I have stories and clients that I will just carry with me forever. You think it's small for them, but you know what? Mm-hmm. They see your beautiful smelling face, <laughs> and, and they know you care. And that's why you can tell somebody that loves and that, that is passionate about the career choice mm-hmm. that they made, you can tell that when yeah. they're sitting there talking to someone that they're trying to help, they can see like in your eyes, like, I'm here to help you, whatever I can do. And yeah. I love that. Yeah, thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad you got to be on Spill with me, Jenny D. Is there anything else you would like to say, Jenna? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me and yes. uh, helping me. Spread the word. Yeah, spread the word and just giving me the platform to talk about this. Yes, and how would they get a hold of you if they wanted to help with the 412 foster care or do you have any fundraising events coming up? This won't air until um, June. Okay. So if you have anything in the summer or the fall that's coming up? So the only one we have is in May um, because May is Foster Care Awareness Month. So that's that's the only event that we have in in May, but I am looking to kind of host other events. Over the summer, the best way to get a hold of me, we um, if you just... Go on Instagram or on Facebook, or if you just like Google search 412 Foster Project, okay. we pop up. You can inquire on our website, or if you like go again on any of our. What's your website, honey? So it's um, 412 Foster Project dot org. Okay. Dot org. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. your time today. Thank you for having me. Sure. This was Phil with me, Jenny D. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers, or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website, so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny Dean.